Have you ever felt that you just don't fit in? Struggling to make connections in a social group can be difficult. But what if you're clashing with an entire ecosystem, such as the plight of an invasive species? The hammerhead flatworm comes from far off lands, but it may be making a home in your own backyard, eating something that you take for granted. But sometimes the most resilient creatures overstay their welcome in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our patron supporters. Uh, our Patreon supporters, uh, Tristan Taylor, Jesse Raspolich, Carol Raspolich, and Paul Chomo, thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for helping us keep the lights on. And today we're talking about a flat, slimy menace that will not go gently into that good night. But more on that later. Definitely going to rage. <laughs> rage against the dying of the light. Yeah. But... We're talking about the hammerhead flatworm. We've done a lot of worms recently. Worms are gross and interesting. Yeah. That's so, all you can ask of them. That's all I have asked of them, <laughs> actually. And they've delivered. Uh, they're either like these crazy, horrifying parasite things, or they're just like beautiful under underwater, uh, like sparkly boys. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It's all and everything in between, um, but yeah, the, he- the hammerhead flatworm—that sounds like an undersea sparkly boy, but it's not. Um, it's also known as the broadhead planarian, which sounds like a schoolyard put-down for astronomers. <laughs> like, ah, look at this broadhead planarian with his head up in the galaxies, in the stars. Um, but. No, it's just, it's just, they're called, actually all, uh, everything in the genus is called a, uh, broadhead planarian, or just ham- hammerhead worms in general. Um, but we're gonna call it here the Uzi Uroboros and the Soggy Bottom Ploys. More on that later. Soggy. It looks, it's a, it's a very slimy looking um, character. But is he satisfying? That's the question. Um, only he can say. <laughs> Literally. Um, the, let's taxonomize this. It's in a kingdom you know, live, and are in. That kingdom is Animalia. The uh, phylum is just like my my brain just puts chordata in there but it's not chordata this is a worm it is platyhelminthes it 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 was just such an odd phylum that it actually doesn't have a class 
I don't know. Did you find a class for this this thing? Uh, I did not deign to look. I found a subphylum, Rab, Rabdidophora, but I could not find a class. It always went straight to order. And that order is... To order? Uh, tr- to order? To order? It's tr- Tricladia. Tr- tr- tricladida. Sorry. Tricladida. Tricladida. Um, the f- family is Geoplanidae. The genus is Bipallium. And the species is Coenci. It sounds Japanese, but it's called... So the nomenclature is Bipallium Coenci. Since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show, nitty-gritty nomenclature. Because this is a worm, and we've done so many worms that we already know what a worm is... Uh, uh, term of entry is so i couldn't find anything for quincy but let's find out what bipallium means or bipallium however you want to pronounce it so joe what does bipallium mean does it mean double shovel a b two hammers c two lines or d digested twice <laughs> by the way i found a class did you turbularia taxonomy is fun well you said you said that you couldn't find a class and it's in turbularia in the order to, to t-u-r-b-e-l-l-a-r-i-a in the subphylum Rabditophora. So it's weird that it's not listed. Maybe it didn't want to um, calls. It. I mean, it, it. It just wants to really distance itself from a from being from classist. Class. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it didn't have a great time in high school, and you know it wants to move on from its from its class days. Anyway, I'm going with two lines. Two lines. So bipallium means two lines. Sure. That's what you think. Final answer. That it's that's the final answer. The, and that is that's incorrect. The answer is double shovel. Ah, I didn't remember that option. <laughs> Prepare for shovel. Make, make it, it double. double. Yeah. Interesting. But yes. If you see a picture of this, of this guy, um, yeah, I could see what where they're where they're coming from on that. Kind of, um, in that same vein, do you want to hear what this guy looks like? Of course. All right, so there isn't all that much to say. It's pretty easy to define. This looks like a wet slime with a portobello mushroom attached to its head. Same. Um, really. Someday. You've changed. <laughs> you have changed. Now now that's how you sell the Patreon exclusive video episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it is clickbait. It is not true. But uh <laughs> I mean we say things like, oh you like the 
cool shirt or sweater or hat or something that we're wearing or like what's in what's in our deluxe studios but if i was a mushroom-headed planarium you'd want to see that i would want to see that and i would most definitely um support their my favorite podcast on patreon by going to ld or patreon.com slash ld taxonomy to uh to see this portobello mushroom head headed <laughs> host the the hammerhead flatworm is the most delicious shade of greenish yellow with black stripes going down the length of it um but its most defining feature is this flat half circle shaped head um, it, it's, it is exactly one half of a circle. <laughs> just kind of, just imagine a worm and then just the flat side of a half of a semicircle is just attached to the end of that worm. Um, it, and I don't think it looks very much like a hammer. I haven't seen too many hammers that look like semicircles. Um, but it does look like a very wide shovel to me. Hmm. Maybe a big snow shovel. And that's why I get it. That's why, I, like, I understand that bipallium means double shovel and not double hammers. <laughs> but this is actually one of the biggest um, planarians in the world. At least on land. So how big is it, Joe? Good question. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing or chittering, the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a measure up intro this week that is new. So that means we need to look back into the archives to find our greatest hits. Now, I don't remember this one, but it's from Johanna, my wife. And it says, the most annoying measure up. <laughs> so I already know this is going to be good. With, I mean, I've already heard it, so but I, just, I don't remember it. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. I don't know why I don't remember that. That was this. That was comedy gold. (laughs) That is the squeaky toy of uh, my mother-in-law, her mom's dog, who is here with us today, uh, just outside the door. um, I think, or maybe on the couch. Uh, but that that toy is probably long since destroyed <laughs> by none other than you. No, <laughs> no, that's the good thing about it is like that sound, although annoying, it means eventual destruction for the thing. Making it. <laughs> they make those things super durable so that you get to enjoy those kinds of sounds for years to come. Not durable. Unless you have enough. a Rottweiler. <laughs> um, but yeah. That's, that's that's a good measure up because you, you you hear this is the most annoying measure up and you anticipate like some like really annoying voice or something like that but nope <laughs> it's just this annoying sound and then her just 
cavalierly <laughs> saying measure up <laughs> yeah saying it out of suffering <laughs> <laughs> thanks good. johanna good one <laughs> okay yes thank you let's talk length they're between 20 centimeters and uh 20 centimeters um i didn't have a range I 20 and 20 20 centimeters these are pretty large for the for planaria so they're on the upper end how many hammerhead flatworms go into the height of the tallest geranium is that a flower yeah oh good these uh these particular flatworms were thought to be transported all over the world in potted plants and in potting soil um so here's a hint a geranium is a genus that includes 422 species of plants the tallest geranium ever was grown by herbert jones in germany in 2010 I knew it was going to be Germany. I'm pretty sure the tallest sunflower is also in Germany. So Also, this one's just... It's called German, Germanium. Basically, yeah. German. For all hobbits have a love of things that grow. In in Germany, it's called Deutschanium. That, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I made that up. I don't think it's true. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, never mind. It makes a lot less sense because you made it up. Um, so I, I, I looked up what 20 centimeters is in freedom units and that's 7.8 inches for all of you people on this side of the pond. And I guess South of Canada, (laughs) um, answer is 15, 15. Is that answer final? That answer is so final. The Fifteen hammerhead flatworms go into the length of this exceptional geranium. The true answer is 32.2. Boy! The geranium that is a tall geranium. <laughs> was 6.5 meters or 21 feet and 3 inches. That's ex- that is exactly a... F- that is pretty much exactly a 15... Per- a 50% for me. <laughs> 20, 20, a two-story plant. Who would have thought? I would not have. It's a flower. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like supported or something like that. There's no way it went straight up t- two stories. It has a lot of fans. Um, it gets a lot of emotional support. Uh, so yeah, probably. It has a good, a good support system. Um, when you said it has a lot of fans, I'm like... Does, are they temperature regulated? <laughs> uh, here's a width. Uh, and where there's a width, there's a there, way. Where there's a whip, there's a way. Uh, 0.1 to 0.2 inches. <laughs> is that the, is that a <laughs> reference to the Ralph Bakshi Return of the King song? Of course it song? is. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, not the Ralph Bakshi. The Rankin and Bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Return of the King. <laughs> I saw that for the first time like a year ago. I saw that no, for the like, first is... time before. Actually, it might have been like it, at the height of the Lord of the Rings. I had watched the Rankin and Bass Hobbit like many times, but I didn't. I hadn't watched the the rest of it. Um, I really, and so I just watched the Return of the King. I really want to watch the like Nightmare Fuel, um, 
uh, uh, not mo-capped, rotoscoped Lord of the Rings. That's the Ralph Bakshi version. Oh, okay. And it's it's very bad. Yeah, that's why I want to watch it. It's almost unwatchable, though. Like, it's not even, like, a good bad. Like, I'm enjoying making fun of this. It's, whew. It's like a a lot. The scenes go on for, like, a really long time, a lot longer than they need to. And uh, the animation is actually pretty good pretty good for that time but the, all the rotoscoping and the live action stuff that they shoehorned in is just so bad I, I, but anthony daniels is legless so you can enjoy that i uh well once the rings and john of power, hurt is aragorn once the rings of power comes out we'll we'll long for the days of the road <laughs> of the rings no i i again it's like I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be like those guys who who were like super into the original trilogy of Star Wars. Um, and then the prequels came out and they absolutely despise them. And then the Disney trilogy came out and then they're like, the prequels aren't, actually aren't that bad. Yeah. Um, that's going to be me. I'm super into the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, hated the Hobbit trilogy. And now this Lord of the, this Amazon show is going to make me uh, appreciate the Hobbit. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to appreciating the Hobbit because that's a lot of, it's a lot of Lord of the Rings content that I can explore. <laughs> um, and then, and then whenever they make the next thing, we will have, uh, we have gone the way of the elves that just leave, leave the earth, leave the. <laughs> By that time, I'll just be dead. And, yeah, <laughs> I will depart Middle Earth forever. We will very and, solemnly and sadly walk in a line towards the west, and and glow as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, let's talk with <laughs> you, this. This podcast is secretly a Lord of the Rings podcast. And secretly a space podcast sometimes, so <laughs> space and Lord of the Rings and Elden. For a while, it was also an Elden Ring podcast. Yeah, uh, but hot take: Elden Ring doesn't have that much replayability. Anyway, let's talk with zero point one to zero point two inches. That's zero point two to zero point five centimeters. In uh, in 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 monarch units, how many hammerhead flatworms go into the thickness of the thickest part of the Earth's crust? The thickest part of the Earth's crust. Mm-hmm. Here's a hint: the thickest part of the Earth's crust is. Can you guess where? Oh, it's like a location. I thought it was like a a layer. No. Of the sediment or something like that. Um, I. I don't know. The Himalayas? Yes. It's the Himalayan mountains in China. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Do I get a point for that? Let's I've... let's give you like 5%. Let's give you 5% Oh, extra I get 5%. Credit. So I don't need an... What do I... I don't need an 85. I need an 80. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I do know that Mount Everest is, uh, I believe, 36,000 feet. So I imagine that would probably be where the crust is thickest. Um, the crust is thickest before the dawn. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how big the rest of the crust is. I know it's not like compared to the rest of the Earth's cross section. It's not all that much. Maybe it's half that yeah i guess we'll go with half that i have no idea how thick the earth's crust is um 
3.2 million. 3.2 million flatworms? Uh, that seems really low. But I'm going to go with it cuz I don't want to I don't feel like doing math anymore. Final answer? Forever. Yeah. 3.2 million. The correct answer is 15 million <laughs> flatworm widths. That 5% did nothing for me. The crust thickness is 75 kilogram kilo, kilometers kilometers <laughs> that's that's 46 miles that's a deep dish crust yeah that that is that is a chicago style chicago style mantle earth. there yeah that's a thick earth that's all i got for two that. c's do you have any fast facts before we get into the major fact i certainly do so while they believe that uh, these flatworms originated in Southeast Asia, we've also been doing a lot of stuff that that's in Southeast Asia too. That that's area is rich for interesting animals. Yeah, um, a lot of rainforests, a lot of isolated places with islands and things like that. Maybe it's and hemisphere. Not bias. a ton of industrialization. Is it hemisphere bias? We only care about wolves and bears and stuff. Well, no, I mean like. We think that stuff that is not from our hemisphere is more interesting because that's it's unfamiliar. I don't know. The Amazon's pretty interesting, and that's in our hemisphere. Very true. Unless you're just going by the northern hemisphere. <clears throat> um, but we have a possum. Possums are pretty weird. It's the only marsupial in our con- on our continent. How to get? Why? It's a big, ugly rat that likes to play dead sometimes. But it's a marsupial. Southeast Asia has from? a millipede that spits acid at its prey, at its, uh, at its uh, attackers. Marsupials That's are nuts. only supposed to be in places where, like, they couldn't adapt to be any better. <laughs> they didn't need to adapt to be any better, like islands, island continents. Why are you a marsupial possum? I'll ask the next one I see. Which may not be that long because they like to hang out in my backyard. Ooh. Along with a, I saw a family, I assume a family, of um, armadillos just in my yard. Could have been a book club. Just, just yeah, they they were there's probably a worm club because they were they were like truffle pigs, sniffing around. Armadillos keep. Or they, they were a book club, backyard. but they were all, they were a book club, but they were all reading Dune because there's a bunch of worms in there. Um. <laughs> And you need a book club for that book because it's crazy. <clears throat> anyway, so while the the hammerhead flatworm originated in Southeast Asia, they believe it's actually it's everywhere now because, as you mentioned, uh, it's been shipped all over the world via plants and planting plant soil. Um, and they're as I imagine you'll get into. They're very good at st- starting new populations from scratch um you don't necessarily need a breeding population for them um they pretty much just eat uh earthworms as their main source of food and surprise surprise earthworms are everywhere um and so they will hunt by catching a worm and injecting it with a paralysis inducing neurotoxin called tetrodotoxin um, 
which is pretty unique among worms to have a neurotoxin that they use for prey. Um, and at the risk of stepping on your major toes, I think I'll leave it there. Okay. You can come back if I miss something. So I'm just calling the major fact I will survive. So, as with many troublesome invasive animals, because this animal is invasive pretty much everywhere, <coughs> except for uh, Asia, maybe, um, hammerhead flatworms do not go gently into that good night. Hammerheads have several unique survival tactics that even resist human attempts to destroy them. So they can survive for a long time without basic resources. Uh, they're able to store food and go for weeks on their reserves. When they run out of reserves, they eat themselves. In other words, they will cannibalize their own tissues to survive. Speaking of cannibals, they'll eat each other as well as other kinds of worms and flatworms. If it fits down their gullet and it's a worm, they'll eat it, even if it's themselves. That's why I call them the Uzi Ouroboros. That's very true, yeah. They, they're, they're resistant to predators as well. Uh, you mentioned that they're venomous, but they're also poisonous, if you remember that distinction. Um, they, when you eat them, it's not good. And when they bite you, it's also not good. If something like your dog or cat were to eat one, they would they would get pretty sick. I don't I haven't seen that they are deadly to eat, like a bufo toad. Um, but there are reports of dogs eating the worms, throwing them up, and then the worms surviving. So we've talked about this before, like how does it help you to be poisonous? In this case, it's straight up you survive being eaten. True. Isn't isn't that uh Chock full of nuts. <laughs> I'm uh, I got sidetracked by laws about auto cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's save that for the end because I also want to hear that. Oh <laughs> um, uh, no, you... we don't need to because there are no laws against auto cannibalism. Oh, so if you bite your cheek and accidentally eat some of yourself, then you won't go to jail. Yeah, if you eat your... Some people eat their scabs, apparently. That should be illegal. <laughs> One guy <laughs> has uh, baked his blood into, like, blood patties, which sounds like a very good idea. Blood patties is... Should be illegal to say. <laughs> hey, I like that... Or what is it called? Oh, black pudding. That's what they call yeah. it in... Um, in in europe uh it's, it's just just a blood patty it's disgusting i mean <laughs> it, i don't want to yak yoke your yak but i tried a bl uh, black pudding and i could not handle it um if you find one of these invasive guys so did we talk about why they're so bad <laughs> as an invasive species no so like they eat earthworms and you said that you, like you said, and earthworms are everywhere, like you said, and they're really important. They're good for soil. Um, you need earthworms in your soil to have good, healthy crops and stuff. They aerate so, it. Yeah. So it's kind of like bees where you need them for like 
agriculture, and things of that nature. So earthworms are vital, and this flatworm that does not belong where it is, that can't be eaten by predators, um, kills them, kills and eats them. And uh, so that's bad. So if you find one of these and think uh, to dispose of them in order to save the important earthworms in your garden, definitely, definitely, definitely don't chop it in half. It's not snake rules. Uh, it, if you cut off the head of the snake, it'll make another snake in this case. These, these worms re- reproduce asexually, which means they don't need a buddy. They don't need another, they don't need another worm. They'll do it on their own. Um, through the, 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 this particular style of asexual reproduction is called the budding. So budding, despite the fact that you don't need a bud, uh, budding is when a portion of an animal is broken off and it grows into a new animal. So I think starfish do this. What else? Zoidberg. Zoidberg. Mm-hmm. That's all <laughs> so I can flat, think of. <laughs> flatworms that are cut in two, three, or more pieces grow into as many uh, uh, as many new worms. So if you cut, cut it into three pieces, it'll cut, turn into three worms. I did not know that. Um, I thought that it was just kind of like a... They do it once and then they have to like kind of recuperate and grow again and then they do it again kind of thing. I didn't realize that as many pieces as you cut them into is as many worms as you're going to get. I'm sure that there's a there's a limit um, in terms of like just growing that you need resources. So like I don't there there's probably a certain amount of worm you need to make a new worm. It's kind of like there's a certain amount of a like a paper dollar bill that you need in order for it to still be legal tender. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's like sixty percent. Oh, is don't is quote that, me on it. <laughs> that makes sense. So you can't turn one dollar into two. Yeah, so you need more than half of the bill in order for it to count as a bill. But I don't think vending machines care. Yeah. Uh, yeah, spit it back out at you, no matter what. So you, so you can crush the worm, but if you leave enough uncrushed, it will grow into a new worm. <laughs> it's um, a perfect organism. And also, they're extremely flat and extremely malleable, even more than a regular earthworm. So if you crush it on a flat surface or, or a soft surface, rather, like soil, like the thing it lives in, like the thing you might find it in, uh, you might not crush it at all or you might not crush enough of it. Just push it into the dirt. It's favorite place. Please See, don't throw me into that briar patch. Essentially, you need to throw it into the fires of Mount Doom. Um, <laughs> yeah. This this worm cannot be destroyed, Ghibli, son of Gloin, by any craft that we here possess. <laughs> It must be unmade. <laughs> okay. All right, Alronda. I, I get it. Um, so this malleability also allows them to get into and out of anything that isn't sealed well enough. If you throw one away in a tied-off grocery bag, they can get out of it. So as a worm, they are vulnerable to one thing, and that is desiccation it happens to vampires it happens to this worm 
when it's dried out, um, it has a bad time, like other worms. So even this isn't an extreme vulnerability. So they can lose up to 45% of their body weight in water without dying. It seems like they're mostly slime, so. Yeah. So 45% is a, is a significant amount for you, who are who is, that's, that's half of your water weight, right? What are we in water? 70? Like 75%, or maybe that's the yeah. earth. I can't remember. <laughs> Um, so if you, if you need a reliable, not quite half, but it's, it's close. If you need a reliable way to dispose of an invasive flatworm, the tried and true method is to seal them in a container with a pinch of salt, which draws out more than 45% of their weight in water. And then put that container in that like spinny catapult that throw, throws things into the atmosphere. <laughs> Well, the the person I was uh, I was watching um, a science a science woman um, talk about how to dispose of them, and she suggested keeping a resealable container and just putting some salt in it and keeping it like in your garage or something, and just tossing a worm in, in there every time you find it. Making Unless it bites jerky. you. Oh, I'm yeah. just going through with yeah, a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, so fire would work. Uh, usually, like f- fish and wildlife organizations and governmental bodies don't suggest like extreme. It's it's illegal. Like invasive species are protected in one way, and that is against torture. Um, so they don't suggest things that are would be torturous. I don't know how this worm is like. Uh, nervous system works if it's possible to torture it. So, um, but so you, you put, aren't setting it on fire it. would be torture. But I don't know putting don't know. it in a sealed container with a bunch of salt and letting it slowly no, I think, dry up is. I not. think fire would probably be fine. Like if you like light like burn it a little at a time, that would be torturous. But if you like throw it on a campfire, I assume that would be pretty quick for it. Although it's wet, so it might not be quick. But like stuff for, what is it, the bullseye snakehead, they said put it on ice. And let it die that way? Yeah, which is slow, but they're not contemplating their mortality. It's just, it's an, it's all about mitigating pain. They're just panicking the whole time instead. <laughs> <laughs> so sure, they stress themselves to death. That's better. Very humane. Yeah, I mean, killing is killing. Just hit it against a rock. Dash it for a snakehead. For a snakehead, not a, not not this. It would. Yeah, not. this is not. That's not going to work on this on this boy on the hammerhead flatworm. Also, a gloved hand is pre- preferable, and uh, the back if not, hand. Then wash it. An open wash hand. It well. Also, don't 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 <laughs> Winnie the Pooh style stick your hand in a jar of honey and eat directly from your hand after. Handling this worm? Because it might make you sick. It might make you sick, yeah. Uh, have you ever done that? It's great. Have, have I ever stuck my hand in a jar of honey and pulled it out and just licked it off? <laughs> yeah. That's, sucked, oh. it out, sucked it out of your paw stuffing? Yeah, oh, that's that is the, that, That's like the stickiest situation I can think of. 
if I had a stuffed bear that came to life, I would be very upset with it. If it, if it, uh, did that to itself because that's hard to wash out. Have you seen Christopher Robin? Yes, he does that, and and he, he, he does that, and it's like it's just it looks like it's just absorbing into his fabric, and it's it's like a horror movie. <laughs> We reference from that movie the uh, Say What You See game all the time. Oh, oh my gosh. We do it too. <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever like nouns start to appear in a row in a conversation, we always end up going, house, tree. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's the most enduring part of that. Also, if efficient in, in the sea instead of efficiency yeah anyway my my mom told me that uh that we go on too many tangents on this show <laughs> well this is she the was, end so she was like worry. i really wanted to i was really enjoying that last episode but uh like you guys were talking about all kinds of stuff that had nothing to do with the animal and i was like oh that's the, but other podcasts are the same. Some people listen for the tangents. Some people don't want them at all. It's hard to. Uh, Why don't we make like a poll or something? If people out there in podcast, you want want to hear our tangents, or just want to hear, you know, a a, a quick and snappy thirty minute episode about just the animal and nothing else. So basically, if well, you want to have fun, or if you that... want to be boring. <laughs> I know for a fact that uh, Joy and her uh, her gaggle of children do not give two lizards tales about uh, Elden Ring. So there's, <laughs> there's depends on the tangent. I and suppose. you're going to have a hard time separating Calvin from two lizard, lizards tales. That's <laughs> his favorite treat to eat. <laughs> I think he's only tried it once. I don't know. Once you, once you try it. Put some put a little salt and vinegar on that. Well, that, that can make even like, crickets taste good. Or it smelled like chicken, so maybe some like Ooh, buffalo so, sauce, or lunch. like or sweet chili sauce. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. And then also some like honey roasted barbecue sauce from Chick Fil A. Mm. That goes great with lizard tail. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. All right, yeah, so uh, that is the Hammerhead Flatworm. Um, for you out there in Podcastia, stay slimy. Grab yourself an earthworm, and remember that you eat what you are, like the Hammerhead Flatworm here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. podcast (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm rather proud of that one. You are. That's pretty good. (laughs) I mean, I hope not. Unless you're a donut. (laughs) 